Good evening, everyone. I'm Laurel Hightower with Ink Heist, and I have with me tonight Rich Duncan and Shane Douglas Keene, and we are joined by Ken McKinley of Shamrock Silver Press. Ken, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, and it's Silver Shamrock Press. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't... <laughs> That's totally my fault. I don't want to. I don't want to give Laurel too hard of a time, but we were joking. She's like, I get. I'm worried about MCing, and I'll forget our names or something. And like, we were we were going through like all the times each one of us has like done something weird in the intro. Well, you know why I did it though is because it's your it's your Twitter handle, which does not make it your fault. I still should have known better. <laughs> I agree. You know, I don't understand why they did what they did, but apparently there is a method to their madness. So. Well, I'm High Tower Laurel, so <laughs> apparently yeah. what they do to us, they just reverse us. <laughs> well, other than other than people screwing up the name of your press, <laughs> um, I guess we usually start with kind of a new kid at school kind of thing. So why don't you run down? Uh, tell us about Ken McKinley. Oh. I can't get anyone to call that new new guy on the cell block, so. <laughs> <laughs> new fish. No. Yeah, fresh fish, fresh fish. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I'm Ken McKinley. I'm the editor-in-chief of Silver Shamrock Publishing. Um, how much in-depth would you like me to get? However much you want to go. <laughs> okay, so we are approaching our one-year anniversary for Silver Shamrock since we opened the doors. And wow. And what a ride it's been. It's, you know, it's just been a, a roller coaster of nothing but great times. I, I can't stop smiling. It's just a blast. You know, that's, yeah, because I remember I read your very first book, and yeah, and it seems like yesterday. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think I might even remember like one of the first announcements because I believe uh, Ken and I are a member of the same uh, Facebook group, Books of Horror. And I think that might have been the first time I heard of it. We are. Yes. That's actually probably one of the first places I announced it. So home away from home. Yeah. Yeah. I always pop in there every uh, now and again. And, you know, it, it seems like it was just yesterday, but that's cool that it's uh, approaching a year. Um, I guess the question is, you know, what kind of inspired you to start your own small press? Well, you know, um, it was just one of these things I grew up a long time ago with like the pocket horror and the tour horror and all that stuff through the 80s. And then the heyday of leisure and all that come and went. And then you had other ones like um, Dark Fuse. And, you know, all these really good horror presses were, they kind of had the run, but then they were dropping by the wayside. And I'd always been a, a member of Goodreads' horror aficionados group. And one day they came to me and they saw some of the stuff that I'd done on previous groups and they, they invited me to be a moderator. And one of the things I was doing on other groups was I was doing uh, like a group read with a guest author for the month where we would take a new release and have the author be the guest and answer questions to and fro and just kind of give a behind the scenes type of thing and, you know, let people see behind the veil of what it's like to be a horror author. And it really was a big hit. So they kind of asked me to do that for horror aficionados. 
and I jumped at that, and I did that for a handful of years, and I started, you know, with relationships and stuff with certain authors, and I would talk to them outside of horror aficionados, and with all the presses dying on the vine, they, they said, you know what, you should really start a press, because they knew that I had a couple other businesses and stuff that I ran, and I didn't feel like I was, I had enough knowledge of the industry to to make a really good go of it, but I, I just, they kept bugging me about it, and, you know, more than one author, so it was it was humbling, and it was inspiring all at the same time. So I took a year to study the industry, and once I felt I had a grasp of it, we uh, jumped in last year, and off we went. That's that's incredible, and I mean, I I have to say, I think that year paid off, because it's one of the things that I've just been admiring, you know, about about uh, Silver Shamrock as you guys go. You've been, you know, putting books out left and right and all of the, you know, the stats on your website as far as like what to expect, the covers, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's great. Well, you know, it's just one of those things where I've already got a day job. Like I said, I own two other businesses and it's just one of those things where if when I did this, I didn't want it to be a job or feel like a job at least. And I wanted to have fun with it. And I felt like if I can't have fun with this, then I just need to shut the doors because I've already got, you know, the the daily grind with other business. I want to have fun with this. And I'm telling you what, I I, I must have hit on some formula because I haven't had yeah. a bad day in this last year. It's just been one great time after another and I you know, I'm I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I feel like a kid that's got uh, roller coaster all to himself. Yeah, and that that's one thing that we've noticed too is um like how you kind of said when you started it, you weren't sure you had you know enough knowledge of the industry, but from what we've seen, like even from the beginning, like everything you guys have done has been super professional, and honestly, like you guys have had a great year. Um, you've released and or announced like a ton of books and it's been really cool to see. Yeah. It's we're averaging two a month and that pace doesn't look to be slowing anytime soon. So, um, you know what? I, I can't take all the credit and stuff for it though. I'm a firm believer in surrounding myself with good people. And if you don't know something, you don't have to be an expert at it. Just learn to ask the right questions. And I asked around for editing because obviously I, I didn't come from the editing side. And I was referred to Kenneth Kane that he might be interested in it. And honestly, him and I clicked right off the bat. It was just the perfect partnership with getting into this. Is He was looking for something like this, and I was looking for someone that knew what they were doing. And him and I just were we're all on the same page with almost every aspect of the business. So, you know, even though he's not considered an employee, I couldn't be doing any of this without him. That's awesome. That's, that's a really good find. Yeah. I mean, it was, I struck gold with Kenneth. So shout out to Kenneth. Yeah. He's a, I was going to say that's a, that's a fortunate acquisition because he's a damn good editor. Um, and, it's always fun to me whenever I hear someone say Kenneth Kane and I start to go, no, it's fucking McKinley, you idiot. <laughs> and it's, oh, yeah, right, him. <laughs> yeah. 
we've had a little bit of a running joke with that where we're gonna one of us is gonna have to change our names because it's just not working. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we get confused all the time where it's you know one of the same or they think that you know we're co-owners or something like that, and you know it's you know whatever, it's fine. Um, like I said, he's he's just nothing but quality. The guy does amazing work, and you know I couldn't ask for a better editor. So. Let's uh, speaking of the, all that editor, all the stuff he's edited. Let's talk about those people. Let's do it. Um, you've had, I mean, you just signed what Summer Cannon and Wesley Southard. We did. Um, and you've got a whole slew of others. I mean, Robert McCammon, Jason Parent, Cat Cavendish, um, Elizabeth Massey, uh, Montillion. I know I'm massacring his name. And on and on and on and on, man. It's like you're a who's who of the fucking horror industry here, and it's amazing. <laughs> so, uh, thank you. That's That means a lot. Um, again, it's sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Um, how all that came about. So, long story short, the first person that took a chance with me was James Newman. Um, James and I knew each other. It's pretty good reads. And he came and he said, hey, I got this story that I'm doing with Mark Steensland, and it's a coming-of-age tale that ended up being in the scrape. And he said, look, I understand you're, you're looking to start your own business. I'd like to be the first one to take the plunge. And I said, you know what? That means the world to me. I will bust my hump to do everything I can with it. So if you don't mind going through a few bumps in the road because, you know, I'm learning on the fly – and he said, no, I, I trust you. I believe you. I believe in you. Just, you know, give it your best. And that's where that started. And I, before he came to me, I had the idea of coming out of the gate with an anthology. So that ended up being Midnight in the Graveyard. And that's what we're looking to do is have a whole universe of Midnight anthology. So the second one is actually just closing up here on the 31st for submission. It's a occult, possession, demon, Satanism uh, called Midnight in the Pentagram. And then we're going to have more after this. But my idea was to come out of the gate with just as many strong authors as I possibly could. So <laughs> you bet your butt I called in all the favors that people owed me for getting them on Goodreads. So I did everything possible I could to get as many on that. The, between the covers as possible on that. I confess to have taken advantage of that, of that ability a bit myself. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely shameless, but you know what? It ended up being good. And uh, the best thing was um, getting Robert McCammon. He yeah. is my he is my Stephen King. My Yeah, the guy speaks to me like no other author. I just I'm in awe. Yeah, McCammon and and Ketchum are the two that really really grab me every time. Um, but you, speaking of really grabbing, man, everything we've read just really just grabbed us right out the gate. Yeah, that's great. Uh, to hear. Yeah. Thank you. I think it was fortunate. In the scrape was such a widely accepted, well received book. I think you know that was a good start that was a brilliant start really it did really well for us again you know the stars aligned and i couldn't be happier with it it's it's done really well for us i'm amazingly pleased 
Yeah, well, that was uh go ahead, Laurel. Oh no, go ahead, Rich. Oh no, I was just gonna say that um that was like one of my favorite novellas last year. I I think Shane was the one that uh turned me on to it and I still think about parts of that story without spoiling it for people who haven't read it pretty frequently. Like it's one of those books that kind of sticks with you for a while. Well, the Trump. You, you know, it's it, there are certain authors that they just do really well at certain kinds of genre, and mm-hmm. when it comes to doing that style, Newman is, in my opinion, he's one of the best. It just coming of age just flows out of him like water. But yeah, this that like you say that style. The first thing I ever read by Newman was um, is it Ugliest Sin? Oh, great book. Oh, man, it owned me. Yeah, incredible. It was an eye-opener for me. I didn't really know there was that kind of fiction out there yet. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a, a great author. He just has, like, a really smooth voice. Just everything flows so nice. There's, there's no trip-ups when you're reading his stuff. It just, before you know it, you're at the end, and you go, where'd the time go? Yeah, and um, one thing, too, that uh, I wanted to mention that I thought was pretty cool is, you know, we kind of mentioned how, you know, this is your first year and you've worked with, you know, a ton of really well-known names in the horror field. But another thing that is cool is I've noticed you've had some of your signings, you know, it's it's debut authors, mm-hmm. and uh, that's, that's what's been kind of cool is um, Silver Shamrock, you know, it had a very fast start in the horror community like everyone uh is aware of it and reads the book so it's kind of cool that you know you're helping launch authors you know careers so to speak at the same time and a lot of that was a lot of that was by luck but some of it was by design so i didn't have any clue what we were going to get ourselves into when i did an open call you know we were fresh off out of the gates we didn't know if anybody would even pay any attention. So I just threw out an open call. What the hell was that? <laughs> Some idiot in my neighborhood with his motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> Are we missing one? <laughs> Rich, you still there? So, no, it, it was one of those things where I had no idea what we were going to get. Um, I had an open call, and I just – honestly, I've never shut the open call down. Ever since day one, I've had an open call, and I, I do a lot of reading. <laughs> Every <laughs> free moment I've got, I've got my nose in the, the laptop, much to my wife's dismay. But it's one of those things where, you know, we're just getting so many great stories come in. I just – I can't stop. So – there are so many unknown authors out there that have never been published that deserve to be out there. There needs to be more publishing companies because there's there's so much more talent than what's being put out there. It's it's a shame. Well, and that was one of the things too when you know when you were saying about calling in favors to start the press, it's I mean it's kind of a favor, but it's also a favor on the other hand because you're giving homes you know, to a lot of stories because even established horror authors can't always, you know, immediately find a home for a project. So I feel like that's pretty symbiotic and that's awesome. Yeah. And that's where the start of it came from was they were having a hard time finding homes for it. 
So the here's what I've learned in the, the year before I started the press. I didn't want to be like all the others that I'd seen that had started, started out strong and then tripped and fell. And it always evolves around money. And it's just, I didn't want to be cheap on any of the stuff. So I want, the first thing is, is a cover. Whoever says that you never judge a book by its cover is an idiot. Absolutely. You <laughs> definitely judge a book by its cover, whether good or bad. That's what you do. So Keelan Patrick Burke is one of my favorite artists when it comes to making these covers. And his stuff speaks to me just like McCammon's stories speak to me. So I knew that I wanted to work with him. And it's just been a great marriage there as well, just like with Kenneth Kane. Things just kind of lined up really well, and I wanted to make sure that we had covers that that spoke to people. And the other thing with covers for me is I'm a horror publisher. I don't want flowers and abstract colors, and I want it to be a horror cover. I want you to look at that book and go, "Oh yeah, I know what this is." Yes. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Well, because people who want to have this fuck scared out of them need to know this is what this is going to do. Absolutely. And if you think back in the 80s and 90s and 2000s to the best covers or the best books that you've read, typically they had covers that scared the living shit out of you. And how many times did we buy a book and it sucked, but the cover was amazing and that's why we bought it. <laughs> I've got books I kept for that very reason, even though I hated them. <laughs> I got the same ones. One and done authors that you've never heard of before, during, or after, and but their covers are absolute wall art, so you keep the book. Exactly. <laughs> we have problems. We have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> now that's collecting art. <laughs> that's yeah. we. Jeremy Hepler's um, Cricket Hunters was the first one I read from from your press, um, and I still joke with Jeremy because my son is two and he just like fell in love with that cover <laughs> and and he would I would be looking for it and he would have dragged it off and put it on his bookshelf now and that <laughs> one that one was done by Alan Clark who is an illustrator and artist and he is he you know he does completely different kinds of covers than what Keelan does but when I read Jeremy's story I wanted something different that I didn't know if Keelan could do and after working with Keelan he may very well have because he's just absolutely amazing but I was looking for a, a certain kind of design that I felt was going to need to be illustrated and Alan nailed it he's just he does these haunting covers that ugh, give you nightmares yeah and uh the one thing about cricket hunters that I liked and we kind of we kind of like laughed about it because uh, Jeremy said that he ended up, he thought it was pretty random. It's like uh, the cricket designs on the chapter headers. I asked him, I'm like, oh, did you notice that they were like facing different directions? I'm like, is that supposed to like mean something? And he's like, no, nah, I think it was just random. <laughs> I, I've been asked that too. And I just kind of stick my tongue in my cheek and I go, yeah, yeah. There's some there's, deep meaning. And if you can't figure it out, then yeah. you'll never know. If you can't read it, then you probably can't hear the words when you spin a Zeppelin record backward either. (laughs) (laughs) 
but two, to kind of circle back, one thing that I do think is interesting about your press is, um, like you said, you've pretty much had a long-running open call for like uh, novels and novellas, which seems to be pretty unique uh, compared to like any publisher, whether it be you know, some of the bigger ones or even other indies, it's usually like a window. And I was just curious as to, you know, what made you decide to kind of keep it a long running submission? Um, because I'm greedy and not in a monetary <laughs> sense, but I can't get enough of getting good stories. I don't, every time I think I'm going to shut it down, I sit there and I think, you know what, if I do that, I may miss someone's story that may, you know, I may not get the story that I want. And I just, you know, it, I've been able to handle it. I, I do a, like I said, a ton of reading and stuff on it, but I, I haven't yet decided to shut a window so far it's worked, but it's, like I said, it's just been an absolute joy ride. I can't say enough about it. Yeah, I have a feeling that if I were to, you know, ever start a press or something, I would probably be the same way. Like, I, I would just be terrified that, like, I would miss out on that one story. Well, that's just it. It's just, like I said, there's so many great stories that are out there that people don't even know about. And it's too bad because a lot of authors don't know what to do, especially the new ones. They don't know what to do with them. Um, a lot of these presses will only publish so many and then shut their window down. And there's so many more stories than there are spots in a press. And so a lot of the stuff just floats. Sometimes they'll decide to go the, the self-publishing route. And, you know, I've seen a couple that do it well, but for the most part, people are, authors are authors. They're not marketing gurus. They're not business people. It, it just doesn't seem to go well. Like you'll look at their, how many reviews and stuff they'll have, and they'll have single digits. And you think, how did the story only have single digits? And it's because nobody's read it, nobody knows about it. Right. Every now and then you'll get one of those guys who's, like, just has made it enough that he's got the scratch that he pays a professional editor, and he has people marketing it for him, and he does really good with it, you know? Yes. But, that's been so rare an experience that somebody has to tell me about those guys because I don't go looking for them. Yeah, I can count them on one hand, but I mean, there's there are some out there they they do really well with it. They, but they've got a little bit of marketing sense in them. They've got a little bit of business sense. They they know what buttons to push and what knobs to turn. So I mean, if if you can do it, great. But yeah. A lot of authors, they don't want to do it. It's not what they do. They want to write and just write. Yeah, see, that would be me. That wouldn't be my bag at all. You know, it's like I, I love to write, but all that other stuff, that's for the birds. You know? <laughs> see, now that's what I enjoy. I love the social media goofiness. I love throwing out just silly, you know, tongue-in-cheek type of tales from the crypt type advertising i just that's my <laughs> um another thing that's really super super cool about your press and you touched on it a little bit is that the way you talk about how this came to be um is it wasn't a money grab i mean sure you want to make money who the fuck doesn't but that's not what it sounds like it's about it does it's not like it, what it, it sounds like it was about going in nor what it is about now 
No, I, I can tell you if if you opened up your own press and you were looking to make millions of dollars, you're going to be sadly disappointed. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> um, no, I mean, the biggest thing, guys, is I'm a fan. I'm a horror fan. I've been a horror fan since I was eight years old. It's I love the industry. I love the stories. I love the thrill ride of being scared. Um, I champion it. I push it. It's it's what I live and breathe. And when I got into this, it wasn't to make money. I mean, if I break even, I'm happy. That's that's all I care about. I've got other business. That's where I make my money. That's what pays my bills. That's I take care of that. But when it comes to this, this is a labor of love. I just I love it. I don't have a problem spending the money on it that makes it so it gives it a little bit better polish than some of the other stuff. Um, hopefully it makes the difference, but I want to give horror fans good, solid horror to read. I want them to have a place to go. And at the same time, give a platform to the good, to the good writers that need their words out there. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to ever get into a situation where I can't pay my authors or things like that. I mean, that's that's my main goal was to make sure that my authors are taken care of, that I'm doing everything possible that I can to give them guidance. And if, if they have questions, I want to make sure I've got answers for them. And if I don't know the answers, which oftentimes I don't, if I don't know the answers, I know people that do. And I will get back with you. That's that's the biggest thing. I want to take care of these people because, listen, if you can't make it worth a while, they're going to go do something else. They're going to get discouraged. They're not going to see a point in putting all that time and effort into putting in a story if they're just going to get stung. Yeah, yeah. And and it, and it happens so, so much. That was yeah. – that. so my research that I did that I talked to a lot of authors, and that was probably one of the number one things. Make sure you don't end up like that. Take care of your authors. So that's been – hung on my wall since day one <laughs> number one thing to do take care of your authors because if you don't then they won't take care of you and if you get to that stage shoot your business down before you shoot your authors down absolutely absolutely if you can't make it it's just if you have to steal from peter to pay paul you got to get out yeah yeah it never works out no no well and even i mean Oh, there are a lot of the indie presses that are not either are not able to or or for whatever reason haven't been as gung ho about the advertising side of it as you are. I mean, I feel like that that is really incredible because you're right. It's it's hard to be a writer and then push your own stuff because writers as a breed we're we're kind of we're kind of awkward <laughs> and, well, and socially anxious. So it's, it's very awesome, you know, to see you kind of take the reins on that. And I, you know, I see your authors interacting and stuff too, but it's, but it's great to take that weight off their shoulders. I think it is. It's like I said, they want to just be authors. They are uncomfortable um, pushing their stuff. I can't tell you how many of the ones that I've got signed right now. They're, they're so timid when it comes to this type of stuff. They're afraid that they're going to promote themselves too much. <laughs> Where me, on the other hand, I'm just pushing stuff out there every single day. 
And I've probably got so many people that are sick of that silver shamrock stuff. Oh, Jesus, would you just stop for God's sakes? But, you know, I, <laughs> the worst that people can tell me is no. So I'm just going to keep rolling that stuff out there. I'm, I'm a firm believer in top of mind awareness. And, and listen, there's a reason why when my kid was two years old and I'm driving down the street, he didn't know anything else, but he knew what the golden arches were. and it, He couldn't read, so he knew exactly what that symbol meant. Yeah, that's a powerful comparison. Yeah, I mean, that's it's just one of those things where you got to get it out there over and over and over. And you know what? Hopefully I'm not pissing too many people off with it, but it's just one of those things where I want I, I want to do justice with my authors. I want to make sure that they get pushed and marketed. From a, yeah, I think from a reviewer standpoint, I've been doing that same thing for fucking years now, and nobody's ever gotten mad at me about it. I mean, I push books repeatedly, nonstop, you know, and people seem all right with it. Well, I, I think people can smell genuine and honesty on you. If you're if you're just a shyster where you're, you know, you're, you got a one-star book that doesn't deserve the, the written page and you're, you're pushing it like it's just the, the next Salem's lot, then, you know, people are going to smell that on you. But I truly believe in the authors I have. I don't sign anybody that I don't enjoy their stories. If I don't like your story, I'll be polite and I'll be nice, but I'll just say, you know, it's not for us. And, you know, I'm kind of selfish with this. I'm publishing the stories that I like, not the ones that I think may be the next hit on the street or, you know, the the next trend. I'm publishing the stuff that I would want to read. And like I said, it's a selfish thing, but, you know, I want to make sure that it's it's good quality stuff. Yeah, it's kind of like that. This, if you like Stephen King syndrome, it's like no. If I like Stephen King, I would fucking Stephen King. <laughs> exactly. But I think the point you make about the honesty in it, I think that that is that's spot on. Because I mean, you've said you know that you're that you're a fan, and that's why you got into this. And I think that comes across hugely in the advertisement that you do. Because I'm thinking back, and I'm like, yeah, I see a lot of posts, you know, from your press, but it never comes across as like, you know, beating you over the head with something. There's always something different about it, you know, and the, the marketing with the book boxes is brilliant. I mean, I just feel like you're coming at it from a, a lot of different ways, you know. I'm probably biting off more than I should be chewing, but like I said, I'm having <laughs> such a great time with this. It's it's one of those things where I just, I want to just keep doing more and, you know, I've got all sorts of stuff that's, you know, in the weeds right now waiting to come out for this year and next year. Um, it's just trickling a little bit here and there. So yeah, the book box thing, um, I'm excited about it. The response has been awesome. Uh, they are actually getting ready to go out. I just sent some out this week because, well, I'll be honest, they were supposed to go out April 1st, but I got too excited and I sent them out early. So, <laughs> <laughs> so they're getting a little bit early notice on it. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's ever disappointed about that. <laughs> no, no, not usually. <laughs> but yeah, that um, like Laurel was saying with the uh, boxes and stuff, that's just another cool thing that you know you've done that kind of helps set you apart. And um, like you said, you were a fan first, and you're 
your social media, like I think like your stuff is always out there. Like I'm always seeing silver shamrock stuff, but it's not like you're just uh, putting a bunch of ads out there. Like I think we've interacted a few times through it and I know you've interacted with a ton of other readers through it. So it's got like that personal connection that's kind of important. And that that's part of what I think helps helped keep you guys like at the forefront of people's minds, like in that first year and like kind of the growth that you've had. And I think that you've got a lot of authors that are, are sitting back watching to see what you do. Um, Mm -hmm. You've got, you know, for everyone that you interact with, there's probably 20 others that are out there being silent, but watching from afar. And I've had a handful of them that I never in a million years would expect they would give us the time of day and they came to me and said, Hey, you know, what do you think about this? Or, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a home for that. Like the one we just signed here recently was Gord Rolo and yeah. Gord is from the leisure days. And, you know, he, he stepped out of the horror world for a little while. He had like some personal stuff he had to take care of. And, you know, I jigsaw man is one of my favorite books of the last 20 years. I love, love that book. book. I love that book with a passion. That's Frankenstein done right. I love that book. And I've always been a huge fan. I've always kept in touch with him. And I pushed him and I prodded him. I probably drove him (laughs) nuts. But I'm like, when are you going to get back into this? And, you know, four, six months would go by and I'd throw another one out there. Hey, I'm just checking in. What's going on with you? You know, that type of thing. And finally, you know, a handful of years later, he's like, hey, I see what you're doing here. Are you still interested in that? And lo and behold, I've we've got the opportunity to release pretty much everything he's done, and we're gonna do it on like a, a three month. Every three months is gonna be something from him, as well as if he starts writing newer stuff, we're gonna start doing that as well. And how we're gonna do it is they're gonna get new covers, but they're also gonna get a lot of um, author notes. So it's gonna be the nice. author's preferred edition. Um. Just kind of like how the stand was when he came out and it was unabridged and unfiltered, unedited, whatever you want to call it, where it's it's the way the author wants it. Plus, he's given um, for every one that we publish, he's given uh, a behind the scenes of how those stories came about. So just to give people a little bit, a little bit more. That's kind of cool, and they don't yeah. all—they don't all just say I'm doing this so, so this guy will quit harassing me. <laughs> well, there's something about a PPO. I don't know what that means. <laughs> That's really cool, though, about the uh, the Rolo releases because, like you said, I'm, I was a huge fan of uh, the Jigsaw Man. I think I had gotten it either. I think like either at a indie bookstore or something and i read it and i i love that story so it'd be cool to see like kind of a definitive edition of that one you know yeah, he's got some he's got some stuff in there and he's got it for all of his stories we had a long conversation he's got a lot of stuff in there that the he wanted it to be included but the the publisher wanted it to be a certain length so it would be fall within their parameters and all that so he had to hack some stuff out of there that he thought was kind of important for the story he wished he could put it back in and now is his opportunity so he's happy about it so i'm excited um yeah that's uh it, i i missed out on jigsaw 
Oh. Uh, for Jigsaw Man, whatever it's called. And uh, Shane, I, I'm going to yeah. use one of your lines. You need to unplug that right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I am it's on excellent. it. Yeah. Yeah, it's an excellent. I, I love it. I've been waiting this that's... whole podcast to do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> you just, all you needed to say was, Shane, you know that thing where you talk? Could you just unfuck that now? <laughs> That's the but first yeah. time anyone's done that to you on this, isn't it? I don't yeah. recall hearing that before. Yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. score one for me. Yeah, I well think done, that <laughs> So, and then another one we just signed that we're doing the exact same thing, and that's Alan Leverell. So we're we're doing his stuff. I don't know if, how many people know him. He's another one that was from actually Dark Fuse days. He did a lot of stuff in Dark Fuse, and then he had one called the Lupine Project. That's the first one we're gonna come out with in November, and that one was getting ready to be published by Dark Fuse when they pulled the plug. So um, he did a limited edition, but it really hasn't seen much of the light of day. And we're we're doing that one, so I'm we're gonna do that, and then the, I have the opportunity to do again every three months, release something new from him, and do his back catalog. So I'm I'm looking. He's another voice that I really think needs to get back into horror. He he started doing some more thriller stuff, like espionage kind of things, and he did pretty well with that. But you know, again, he does wonderful horror. He needs. <laughs> he probably is getting tired of me saying this, but you need to get your butt back <laughs> in the horror. <laughs> yeah, because I had I haven't even read Leveron as a horror author. I've read some of those espionage thrillers and things that that he wrote, and he's good at it. He's, he's very good. Uh, his biggest one that he had was Mister Midnight. Yeah. Um, that one is, is the one that he's known for. So. Again, you need to unfuck yourself and get that one. Um, <laughs> unfuck yourself. Uh, that's much better than go fuck yourself, right? Shane, I'm so glad you're clear across the country because I wouldn't be able to sleep tonight knowing that you were in my zip code. <laughs> I'm a peaceful man. <laughs> <laughs> Laurel told the monster man the other night that she was afraid of me. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> Laurel, I'm with you. I'm kind of afraid of you myself. Well, his message on the website when I was looking for reviews was like, I'm not open. Fuck off. Don't ask. This is ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, Rich was open. So I was like, um, hey, um, Rich, you know, and then Shane writes back. And I'm like, oh, God, I fucked it up. But. <laughs> I, I just have this vision. If I ever went to to his house, he would have instead of a welcome mat, it would say unwelcome on it. So. <laughs> I think I know what I'm going to get Shane for Christmas. <laughs> if you're looking for any Christmas gifts for Shane, <laughs> yeah, be, beware all ye who enter here. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm a really friendly guy out in public. It's just my own space. People can stay the fuck away from me. <laughs> hey, it's your world. Let her rip, Shane. Come on. Yep. <laughs> and I don't I don't open the door to unexpected guests. I don't care if it's my mom. I'm just uh-huh. like, mm, you so should have called. I'm sorry. Yep. 
I'm the same way. My sister drops by. Hi, what do you want? <laughs> Don't be doing the pop in. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. G- give me a call. You know, our our doorbell here has actually never worked since we moved in, and and I like it that way. <laughs> well, Laurel, that probably doesn't do well when you cut the wires to it. <laughs> I never said why it didn't work. <laughs> That's the downside to cell phones, too, is you can't use that excuse anymore. Oh, the, the wire was unplugged. <laughs> <laughs> I always oh, use the, it. it was on mute. Excuse yep. Me. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. The Wi-Fi was down, whatever. Battery, whatever. battery was dead. <laughs> I, I always use the excuse, I didn't want to fucking answer it then. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that doesn't work well with my parents for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> oh, man, that was... <laughs> well, shall we talk about publishing? Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I was going to ask, Ken, is like, I know you've been like a fan and... You know, you said uh, you didn't have too much of the background, but like as you've been doing Silver Shamrock and like working with all these different people like Kenneth Kane and, you know, other contacts that you've made, like, have you found yourself like kind of getting more hands on and like those nuts and bolts types things? And is that something that you like, you know, like to do? You know, I have. Um, I actually edited uh, Shannon Felton's debut, The Prisoners of Stuartville. And the reason I took that one on is because she was, she was new. Um, her manuscript was amazing. It just, it was one of those ones that it had such great potential. It just needed that extra little push and some polish. But she's got such an amazing voice. And it was one of those projects that I wanted to take on myself because I had a vision of how I wanted to see it done. And when I talked to her about it, she was completely on board. She she loved the ideas and stuff that I had. So I took on that one. And I'll tell you what, after I got done with that, and trust me, it wasn't that hard of an ordeal. I told Kenneth Kane, you don't get paid enough because <laughs> that's, that's a lot harder than you think it is. <laughs> That's a, a good editor is worth their weight in gold. They really oh are. Oh, my God. I, I told him he is not allowed to get sick with this coronavirus. He's not allowed to take a vacation. He's got to, you know, he doesn't, he's not allowed to die without three days written notice. So <laughs> he's definitely worth his weight in gold. But the hands-on stuff that I do, I read all of the manuscripts that come in. I'm the one that decides what we're going to push forward what ones we're going to reject. Um, and then I have, I'm also hands-on on the covers. I have an idea of what I like to do. Uh, I relay that to Keelan. Um, I try not to stifle this creativity too much. Um, it, I don't want to do that to him because he's, you know, he's such an amazing talent that I want him to be able to shine. But at the same time, I want to make sure that it's, in the vein that I'm looking for. So every now and then I'll, I'll turn something back to him and he'll swear at me and you know, I'll cower. And, <laughs> <laughs> but, 
no, it's <laughs> it's it's been just just a blast doing this stuff. So I do a lot of the nuts and bolts, but when it comes to the editing, I I push that over to Ken Kane. He's he's good at it. He likes to do it. Um, it's probably my least favorite part of the job, but you know, it, again, do what you do best and write checks for the rest. So. Yes. <laughs> Whenever possible, that's the way to do it. You want to know a really good way to piss your partner off is to say what sounded like a champagne cork popping was actually him opening a Schlitz malt liquor. <laughs> it, was not, it was not a Schlitz. As long as it wasn't an IPA, I don't care, Rich. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Down no. with the IPAs. Yeah, no. no, no IPAs. I'm saying it on air. I don't care. I don't. I don't know if I should give the uh, brand name. I don't know how. I don't know if FCC rules apply to podcasts. Well, I hope oh. not, because we drop a lot of motherfuckers. So, <laughs> you know, I don't. If if FCC applied to podcasts, we'd be in jail by now. <laughs> we'd be in solitary. Exactly. What are you What are you drinking, Rich? What do you got? Come on, Rich, have some cojones. Let's hear it. Uh, good old yeah, good old Yingling traditional lager. Because I'm from Pennsylvania, and pretty much if you're born there, it's like the state's national drink. Not officially, but you know, I think Yingling's a solid beer. I I drank yeah. a ton of that in college. I had some roommates and stuff that were from Pennsylvania. They drank that. They drank yeah. Iron City. They drank the crap out of that, and they drank um, Rolling Rock. That was their ones they 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 chugged down. Rolling Rock. Sorry, I can't give a shout out to that. That that didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think Yingling for being like a relatively cheap and affordable beer is pretty good because there's some that fall into that you know like cheap mass produced. Uh, line and it oh god it's just terrible <laughs> i don't know i'm kind of a cheap mass-produced kind of guy <laughs> hey <laughs> when you guys were mass-produced there shane um well I, when i was in college all we drank was pbr if we weren't drinking hard liquor um and and some habits are hard to kill you know if i'm not drinking a craft beer i'm probably drinking a pbr (laughs) how about you laurel um i was just thinking that i i came to a party once with bud light lime and the guy stopped and said that's how you know the economy is screwed is when hightower shows up with a domestic I would have to agree. <laughs> I, I am I am currently sitting here with my Hofbrau Hefeweizen. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's my my husband lived in Germany for three years, and uh, when we met, I told him I didn't care for beer, and he said I was probably mistaken, and that I just needed to try the right stuff, and he in fact was correct. So I'm I'm a wheat beer fan. Okay. Okay. Well, I am enjoying a nice Saugatuck Brewery which is a new brewery out of Michigan that I'm really liking. And I'm drinking their blueberry maple stout. Oh, oh my God. (laughs) That sounds amazing. I'm here to tell you it's pretty smooth and it's pretty damn good. Shout out to Caitlin Starling. I think you need to get that (laughs) on the radar. And that last one, what was that? Like a Nutter Butter Stout? Yeah, uh, it says, it's a, let's see. It was from... 
It's called Nutter Your Business Peanut Butters. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, have a Nutter Nutter Your Business Peanut or whatever. As long, as, like... I'm not getting a, as long as I'm not getting a Nutter on it, that's all I care <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of surprised to see the beer because I figured it'd be whiskey. But well, you know, it's it was just kind of a beer night. I've got a boatload of different bottles of rye whiskey. That's the thing that I've been into lately is the rye. And tonight was just a beer night. It was just calling my name. Yeah, and it's, that, it's the weather that, changed. Yeah, that's that nice. damn Tim Meyer trying to get me to drink those IPAs. <laughs> Uh, and then you, you really need something to wash that swill out of your mouth. <laughs> I was waiting for the dog to have to go take a shit so I could get this taste out of my mouth. <laughs> you know, Tim's gonna Tim's gonna listen to this and go, "This motherfucker that drinks PB is a well, you do realize sales are probably going to go down because all the IPA lovers out there, are, that's probably 40% at least, yeah, they're not going to buy Silver Shamrock books now because I'm sitting there poo-pooing the IPA. <laughs> Fuck that guy and his stupid press. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, be a hipster and buy it anyway. Be iconic about this. Yeah. Well, we only have three listeners, so if we have to, we can take them off. Uh, one thing um i wanted to ask you ken is uh because and you don't have to go like too in depth with it but i've always been curious as a reader you know kind of what process do you have when you're kind of like selecting stories for an anthology do you read them and then pass them off to like say kenneth and then you guys get together and vote or kind of how do you determine what kind of stories you want to buy no i'm an asshole i'm i pick them all Um, (laughs) (laughs) so again not coming into this with any type of previous experience i didn't really know what the process was so I literally sit down and read every single one of them that comes in. Um, now, but here's the thing. You'd be amazed at how many good ones there are. Because, you know, I've had people ask me, oh, you probably know after the first couple paragraphs. Um, some. There's some out there. But, I mean, you're talking maybe 10 20% at the most that fall in that category. And then there's literally 70 80% that are really good. Now, they may not be great, but they're really good. And then you got the 10 to 15, maybe 20% that when you read it, you just go, wow, that was really, really good. And that's what I try to look for. I try to look for the ones that make me wow. Now, I will tell you, this Midnight in the Pentagram was the first one I've had open call for. The Midnight in the Graveyard, that was 100% invitation only. But Midnight in the Pentagram, I had an open call, and we're doing – it's going to be about 75% imitation, and then 25% is going to be from the open call. And uh, we're over 600 stories right now from the open call, so it's it's been a process. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and you're your own slush reader. I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bit of a control freak, yes, but again, you know, I'm having such a good time with this. I don't want to give that type of fun to someone. When, when it comes when, to editing, I don't like that. Here, Ken, you can have this one. 
I was joking with Laurel and Rich earlier and was going to ask and said I was going to ask you if you were fucking crazy, but you just answered for me, so. Yes. Certifiable, really. (laughs) But you also have the coziest reading nook I've ever seen in my life. Like, I'm super jealous of your fireplace and, like, your dog. Just all of that. I'm like, oh, man. Yes. Maggie, (laughs) the hound from hell. She's my lap dog. Um, We stoke up the fireplace. She's... One of these ones that really likes to be warm. She'll snuggle under covers with you. Um, she's my reading partner. So, yeah, it's it's a hoot. I love it. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm recording this in my closet. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, yeah. that's, that's kind of Okay, cool. so we're going to start up a fun for Rich. <laughs> Stop recording in the closet. Please donate, too. Uh, It's okay. Hunter said he was going to raise money for insulation in here, so I should be okay. (laughs) Ooh, you spoiled me. Yeah, Hunter Hunter being the guy who uh, records podcasts from his fucking house. (laughs) He's going to kill us. Uh, he's quarantined like the rest of them. He can't get you for at least a few months. <laughs> <laughs> okay I have to time to run. run. Yeah. yeah, we're all safe for right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's, I mean, I think it's really exciting that you've been through a year of this and you haven't, I, I know when the guys talked to Jeremy Hepler, was it Jeremy who had done slush reading for a while? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. And I remember him saying that he just kind of got really burned out on it. And it sounds like you're still just very like you know, very gung ho about it. Like you're still coming across a bunch of stuff that you love. Yeah. I mean, again, you're, you're going to have stuff that just doesn't do it for you and that's fine. But I'm telling you, I keep, I keep getting such great stories come across my desk. It's, I relate it to an amusement park, but it really is. I'm just having a blast with it. And as long as I'm doing that, I'm going to keep doing this. So if it starts to get to be a chore, then I'll hire slush readers. But until that day happens, I'm going to sit here and keep riding that train. So, so here's, okay. <laughs> here's a little thing about Ken. You want to ask a little bit about that. So I'll give you just a kind of a little inside information on where I'm coming from. So a few years ago at age 41, I was going through a divorce and we were having a rough time with certain business stuff and I had a heart attack. Um, I'm a fish chicken kind of guy. I've always been on statin since I was 20. It came out of the blue. Uh, I've got two pieces of hardware in me, but the biggest thing that I got from it is a new perspective on what's right in the world and what's not. So it's just one of those things where, listen, life's too short. I'm not going to sit here and stress about it. I'm going to enjoy it and try to smell the roses every step of the way. Uh, you know what? You're talking to a, a comrade there, man. I did this, had a heart attack in 2009 and got some new hardware. Um, and that's exactly my response to it, too. It's like, okay, well, you should get busy doing what the fuck you want to do. Absolutely. Good for you. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. So. So, yeah, there's there's just way too much good horror coming across here to not enjoy it. Absolutely. 
Um, and it's such a great community. You know, everybody's so fucking caring for each other and cool with each other and supportive for the most part. You know, and it's they really are. It's it. You know what? I went to StokerCon, and this is where I actually was able to sign Robert McCammon to be in Midnight in the Graveyard. That's where I met him. Um, I got a great story about that, anyway. By the way, but regardless, it's everybody I met was so positive. It's such a a tight community. They they laugh, they joke, they drink, they be merry. It's just you know they're living life, and it's it's wonderful to see. I wish my friends that I aren't authors and things like that would have that type of attitude because boy, they're, they're kind of a downer to be around. So it's much more fun (laughs) to be around these authors. (laughs) Well, I think there's a lot of attitude, you know, because most of, but most of us are horror lovers too. That's why you write it. You know, it's because you start writing what you want to read and then finding this whole community of these incredible books and these incredible authors. So it's like whenever, you know, a press comes along and starts putting these out, it's a win for everybody. It definitely is. It definitely is. And there's, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm the only press that does it. There's some really good presses out there. I mean, we all do stuff. They they do a great job. And it's, you know, they they don't get enough thanks and accolades and stuff for the, the work that they do. And I just wish there were more of them out there to to get these authors out in the public. And I, I wish that it was more uh, – do I wish it was more accepted? I don't know. I kind of like the underdog role. It's kind of nice. Yeah. Um, before we let you get right past that shit, why don't you tell us about that McCammon story? <laughs> okay. So here's the McCammon story. I love the story. So, again, Robert McCammon, I'm such a fanboy of him. And I found out he was going to be at StokerCon, and that's when I got my, my tickets and stuff when I found that. I've been working with Hunter Goatley, which is his uh, – he actually, if anybody knows way back in McCammon's history, he did Lights Out, which was the fan club back in the 80s and 90s for McCammon, where in the back of the book you kind of like ripped the page out and you wrote in for the fan club stuff. He's been doing that since then. And McCammon's one of these guys that he's he's not comfortable in the spotlight. He doesn't like a lot of the technology. He's been stung. He you know, he only likes to be around the people that he trusts. And that's really about it. So Hunter's kind of been his point. So I got with Hunter online and I talked to him a little bit about it. And I, I really wanted the story from McCammon, but I, I figured there was just no way in hell that was going to happen. And he said, you know, he's really busy. He doesn't like to be bothered when he's in the middle of his writing he just gets really focused on it but i'll see what i can do so he relayed the information to him and you know that's he wrote back oh he doesn't have anything you know sorry for that but you know it's just not going to work i'm like okay well at least you tried so he said but he may have something that's a reprint that will work so then my heart starts skipping a beat and i you know I have to reach for some heart medicine to make sure I'm not going to keel over because I'm so excited. <laughs> All right. It's like, don't make me so fucking happy. I'm going to die. <laughs> so now, fast forward to StokerCon. I'm at StokerCon. I'm standing there with my wife. And up comes Robert McCammon. She said she has never seen me for a loss of words ever in my life. This was the first time. I start hyperventilating like a little 
<laughs> little schoolboy, and I'm like the 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 the. He comes up there. I'm like, I stutter out, "Hello, hello," and he goes up to the bar, and he orders a drink. They pour a drink. He doesn't realize it's a cash bar. He thought he could just charge it to his room. It's a cash bar. He doesn't have any cash on him. Oh my God! You could not imagine how fast I whipped out a wallet to pay for his drink. <laughs> And the no. guy is like so the flash, nobody him. saw you move. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the quickest draw hand in the West. If I was a six shooter, someone would be dead. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> so I, I paid for his drink. The guy, because he was embarrassed and he was so appreciative of it, he took time to talk to me. I told him who I was. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember talking to Hunter about it. We kind of had a conversation. He goes, well, well, get with me. I want to talk with you later. I'm like, all right. Well, throughout the weekend, everybody is all about McCammon because he's such a celebrity to these people. And it was so funny because every time he'd walk by, he would see me and he would, like, make a point to be like, hey, how are you doing over there? Everything okay? You know, he was just that southern gentleman kind of thing. So because of that, when he talked to me later on, he goes, hey, I have this story. And – Lo and behold, we got it in there, and it it meant the world to me. And it I don't know if it would have happened if I hadn't paid for his drink, but let's put it this way: it didn't hurt. Sure did. <laughs> sure did. I would I would have been the guy going. Any other motherfucker reaches for his wallet. Problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the part of the story I didn't mention was how many elbows I threw to get to be the front of the line there to pay for it. <laughs> Uh, been me too, man. <laughs> so that's my McCammon story, and I've got a, a picture that I have a posted on my wall that's got me, McCammon, F. Paul Wilson, and Tom Monteleone together, kind of like our arms around each other, and you know, just chuckling it up and that type of stuff. Just that's if the house catches on fire, fuck everything else. I'm grabbing that picture <laughs> and get out of the house. If, yeah, everybody run. I got to get that picture. <laughs> the dog's on her own. Let's just put it that <laughs> Well, that's a that's a great story. That's awesome. That was right yeah, time, right it, place, and right place, right time. Like I said at the beginning of this, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Uh, yeah, I can. Uh, if I think if McCammon even walked into a room I was in, I would just be a puddle of clothing on the floor. <laughs> 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 well, I'm not gonna say whether or not I made a mess in my pants when I saw him. But... <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, I, I'm not one of these ones that's a that's opposed to public speaking or. Crowds don't bother me, anything like that. But when he walked across that room, she, my wife said, you just started like these huge goldfish eyes and started <laughs> stuttering <laughs> like you're having a stroke. Uh, I would have done the same exact thing, I'm sure, if I didn't just faint. <laughs> but the, the thing is, he is like the nicest just no ego, no attitude, just just a super nice guy. Just, uh, I, I can't say enough about him. And it's not because I'm a fan. It's because he treated everybody with the utmost respect. 
he he always made if anybody wanted to talk to him, he made time to talk to him. He was great. You know, that's kind of interesting when you encounter someone with a name like his who's that way. Um, I mean, Straub is the same way. He engages with people. He's friendly. He's just sounds like your average Joe when he's, you know, in there. And you just don't expect that from someone who is like so far above you, you can't see the clouds that he's above. Yeah, I mean, you get someone like Straub or McCam, and I mean... I, I read their writing. It makes me want to take my laptop and smash it with a hammer. So yeah, <laughs> it makes, makes me want to smash mine with my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's great when your your heroes are just as nice, if not better, than what you you hope to dream that they are. It's, yeah. There's nothing more disappointing than meeting someone that you you've worshipped from afar and they're just an absolute asshole. Yeah. I hate that. <laughs> and and it happens. It, <laughs> it happens a lot, but you know we're in a great industry where you know, like you said, these people are they're just like you and I. It's just they happen to be able to write like hell. Um, I was gonna ask you who your uh, your white whale would be to to publish, but it sounds like you've already got that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's definitely would be McCam, and I, I there isn't anybody else out there that I I worship more than that. Now there's there's a ton out there that I think are amazing, and you just touched on one, Straub. I mean, Ghost Story is a multi-layered masterpiece. It just the guy wields words like. Like a swashbuckling pirate. It's amazing. It's one of my favorite books of all time. It, it, yeah. It, there is... You, I've read so many reviews where people are like, oh, it was too boring, it was too dry, it was too slow. And I just think, oh, you poor bastard. <laughs> you you really don't get it, do you? It is such a, like I said, a multi-layered masterpiece. It's just... You're supposed to savor it in small bits. Don't. You, it's not meant to gulp down like a cheap beer. <laughs> yeah, I've I've had people tell me that same thing. That yeah, I, I can't I can't really read it. It bores me. And I'm like, well, slow the fuck down. <laughs> and that's just it. I you know I'm one of these ones. I love authors that do the slow burn, and I love doorstoppers. So, yeah. you know, we're doing, you know, as you guys had on your, your show a while back, we're doing uh, Todd Keesling, and he's got a doorstopper, 400 and some pages that we're, we're kicking out, the Devil's Creek here in June, and I love it. I love a large story that just keeps me engaged all the way through. A slow burn is one of my favorites. Well, and his, yeah. I mean, we, Rich and I uh, were listening to his live reading from that yeah. last night, and oh man, like I just can't, I can't wait for that one. That's that's just incredible, and that's that's pretty close to where I live, so I keep trying to find someone to go with me to go to go yeah. do a you it's, know do a podcast when I'm not going by myself. But well, <laughs> I, I hope I'm not sounding disingenuous here, but I think it's awesome, and it amazes me that all these other publishers didn't want anything to do with it because they thought it was too big. I don't care how big a book is. It's you, if it's deserves to be that length, publish it at that length. I don't understand the whole concept. And maybe this is just me being new and dumb in the industry, but I don't understand the concept that everything has to fall within this amount of page to this amount of page. If the story deserves to be that length make it that length 
Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%, because I'm also one of those fans of, uh, like you said, big door stoppers. And it's kind of cool, almost, like you said, oh, maybe you're too new in this industry. But I think it's actually kind of cool that you're not, you know, afraid to take on something like that. Well, and, you know, I may get stung later on for some something out there that I, I didn't even know was around the corner on a reason, you know, maybe there is a reason why you don't do that. And like I said, I'm just too dumb to know about it, but I don't know. It, kind of, yeah, it hasn't happened. It kind of gives me hope, you know, because you're the second one I've seen in less than a year. Um, Tony Rivera just pu- published quite a long one of John Taft's too. So oh, he's a great author. Oh yeah. 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 Taft's, He's man, he's really good. So um, yeah, I'm I'm excited for Keasley. Like it's, if you really think about it, you think about the some of the best books that you've ever read in your whole life. How many of those are doorstoppers? Five hundred pages plus. You mentioned one ghost story. You got Boy's Life. You got Swan Song. You got It. I mean, The Stand. You've got all of these that are five hundred pages plus and. I know I'm missing a million of them here, but I mean that's just the ones right off the top of my head. Um, yeah, you could you could kill a person with one of Parker's uh, <laughs> later books, you know, Everville and Exact. I'm I'm reading for the first time right now, and yes, I'm late to the party on it, but I'm reading right now, um, A Magica, and it's amazing. Oh, that's my favorite Barker. I love yeah, A Magica. I, I, I've never I've never read it, but I'm reading it now, and again, it's it there isn't a dull spot in it. And the damn thing's what seven hundred some pages long. Yeah, yeah. That's that's actually one of the only Barker novels I have not read. Shame. Oh, Do I gotta keep going here? You really <laughs> <gotta> unfuck. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, like this, guys. <laughs> Caught in my own fucking web. <laughs> I don't I don't actually think it's probably going to be an issue that you run into like unexpectedly with it. From what I understand, a big part of the problem with the long books being published by independent presses is the price point of it. So, I mean, you know, you've already got you already know what you're doing with it. You're already you know, you're you are coming at this as a fan, but also as as a, you know, a man who has run businesses. So, you know. You, I'm sure that you already know, like, okay, that's what this is going to cost. I mean, right. so, so I don't think you're going to be surprised by it, is my thought. No, I mean, you just, listen, if you look at a, a Stephen King book, I mean, look how much he charges for his paperbacks. I mean, they're through the roof, but obviously he's Stephen fucking King, so he's going to get it. But the whole point is, is paperbacks, while they're, I love having them printed and stuff, they're not money makers. They make a lot less than what an ebook does, but and ebooks are—they're probably, I would say, they're over half of half of what our sales are, are ebooks. So you're you're probably at about forty percent paperbacks, maybe even less, depending on which one it is, and you just price point it so it's right. I mean, that's all you can do. And that that's important. What you just said—they're the same with the ebooks, yeah. Ebooks have to be priced right. Paperbacks have to be priced right because it's easy to drive people, especially people who read ebooks, away from you. Yeah. 
And it's the other thing is, you know, obviously audio books are, are making a pretty good stand and stuff. So that's actually something that we have in the works right now. Uh, Midnight in the Graveyard is going to be the first one. It's actually being put together right now by a gentleman out in Washington that does an absolute awesome job. So I, I can't wait to jump into this little foray. Oh, that's awesome. That's exciting. Yeah, it is. Again, I'm learning everything on the fly. So right now everything is puppies and roses. Talk to me next year. Maybe I want to be catching my wrist. <laughs> hey, Ken, you want to come on the podcast? Leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> <laughs> He's being, I'm sorry, Ken can't come on the podcast. He's being fitted for a white jacket right now. <laughs> You know, if you made it through a year and you're still this pumped about it, I, I, I have I have a lot of faith. I think you're going to be fine. Uh, well, thank you. I, I'm telling you, and I know it sounds a little cliche, but I am having an absolute blast. Um, it's such a good time. I mean, you know, us laughing and joking, this is what it feels like every time I'm talking to an author. They, I've yet to run into the pain in the ass that, you know, drives you crazy and wants to pull your hair out. So knock on wood, so far, everything's been great. Yeah, same here. Except, or, well, except for Keesling. Keesling does, kind of. Oh, that, that, <laughs> that damn Keesling. <laughs> Love you, Todd. <laughs> yeah, That's, he knows we love him. <laughs> that is, I feel like, uh, you know, you said that, and it occurs to me, like, all of the silver... Um, I'm afraid to say it now because I'm afraid I'm going to say it. Laurel, you get it right. All the shamrock silver books. <laughs> all the sh- all the shiver sl- shamlocks. <laughs> I was gonna say that, but uh... poor Laurel. The first thing Laurel's gonna do when she meets me in person is kick my nuts into my teeth. <laughs> Who's laughing now, huh? Pick your testicles up. <laughs> now move. I brought your wife some bourbon. We're going to drink. <laughs> and, and I'm going to tell her some shit. <laughs> well, but but all of all of the authors, you know, that that I've interacted with, I mean, Jeremy Hepler and Stephanie Ellis is just she's she's so nice. She's so charming. And, and I mean, just every, you know, everybody. I, th- I think you have a lot of great authors in your stable. They're just, they're excellent authors and they're just really nice people. Well, here's, okay. So here's another behind the scenes thing from the publisher side. While they're, the authors are looking to find a publisher that they want to work with. What they don't get is when I'm paying attention to social media and how people interact, I'm making a note and a list of who I want to work with as well. So if someone's a Royal pain in the tuchus, <laughs> I'm probably not going to sign them. I mean, I don't need the headache. There are so many good authors out there that genuinely have just wonderful hearts. Why would you want to work with someone that, again, makes you want to rip your hair out? Yeah, and it's kind of like, why would you expose yourself as a douche on Twitter if you're going to try to get published by the person you're being a douche to? (laughs) But we're glad that they do. I'm so glad that they can't seem to stop themselves. Well, that's just it. They don't realize. Exactly. It's not just me. I talk to pretty much all the publishers in the horror industry, and they all say the same thing. I mean, when you rat yourself out like that, you 
you probably shouldn't wear one your politics, two your religion on your sleeve. It's not a good look. Um, again, I know what my politics are. I know what my religion is. But the thing is, if I throw it out there, then I'm alienating myself with 50% of the population, and that's not what I'm looking to do. I'm not, and it's not just from a sales point. It's from I don't want to look like an asshole. Yeah. Listen, yeah. listen, we're we're in a, a time right now where everything is polar opposite. Nobody can agree to disagree on anything. So because nobody has that type of filter, I don't think for me, I don't want to put that stuff out there. I'm I'm about beer drinking and reading great books and you know, I don't care about the rest of it. So Um, yeah, that's I'm pretty much about not giving a fuck for the most part and then everything else is gravy. <laughs> and doesn't it make life so much simpler? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, it is, though, like you say, good books, good people, good booze, you know, or whatever your pleasure is. But um, as long as you're fucking nice to each other and love each other, then to and hell with the haters. And that's it. And listen, I, I don't want anyone thinking that, you know, I'm, I'm trying to come across that stuff is, you know, there's so many people out there that are bad. But no, we're talking at one like nah. to two percent at most. Absolutely. And that's, that's pretty much society. I mean, I don't care how nice of a person you are. If you get in a group of 50 people, there's going to be at least two assholes in there that you just can't deal with. Yep. Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, every time I get on a bus with five people in it, there's at least two assholes I can't. <laughs> and you're one of them, huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Now, I find myself <laughs> hoping that you are you going to end up having like five years down the road. Are you going to have your own convention? Because that sounds like it would be like the most fun thing ever. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I oh, really? actually, <laughs> actually looking to see what it would take to do something like that. So, yeah, I've got a lot of irons in the fire. Um, I take things for test drives to see how well they would be received. Some of them, yes. Other people look at me like I'm out of my fucking mind. But um, that's just it. You, you got to take an idea and roll with it. See what you got. Try to do something different. Give the fans what they want. Give the authors what they want. Have fun with it. I mean, <laughs> but yeah, it, a convention would be awesome. I would love to do something like that. I'll just throw out there that uh, Lexington, Kentucky is known for being fairly, um, you know, reasonably priced and friendly to such sorts of endeavors. And, uh, and Portland is adjacent to Mount Hood. And, <laughs> and uh, central New York is a frozen wasteland. <laughs> Please come here. Pick me, pick me. <laughs> I think uh, my pitch was the saddest, so. Yeah. You, you, you got <laughs> Your sales you know, skills got a lot to be desired. There, you know what we have is more microbrews per capita than any other city owner. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Laurel, this is where bourbon? you pitch in that you've got some bourbon. pretty good bourbons down there. Bourbon country. That's yeah. us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, what do you got, Rich? Uh... Nothing, really. <laughs> We've got apples. Do you like apples? <laughs> cool. But 
I think uh, Kentucky would get the win because Shane, how many of those microbreweries do mostly IPAs? Oh, no, not here, man. Uh, uh-uh. <laughs> you, they do IPAs, but that's not the good stuff. <laughs> All right. Uh, well. Red red ales and nut nut brown ales uh, and fox and things like that. Oh, Shane, you're giving me a half chub. You got to stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> we should just title this episode like the half chub. <laughs> no explanation. Don't say anything yeah. about it. The half chub with Ken McKinley. <laughs> <laughs> Ken McKinley pitches a tent on Econ's <laughs> Oh my god. We're not going to top that. We might want to wrap this up sometimes. <laughs> hey, we talked about Cannon and his half chub now. About that publishing. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't suppose that story I was going to send you is pro- it's probably a waste of time now. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh the name of the convention right there. <laughs> I like it. It's the Portland Half Chub. <laughs> the Shriver Slamlock Half Chub. <laughs> I mean, who's going to talk that? Where are we going to go from here? Right. It started out with the wrong title, and it just went to shit. Uh, yeah. I'm going to have to ask Shane how to spell all that so I can title the episode. Okay. Shivers Jamrock. <laughs> now, Shane, if we're going to have this convention out your neck of the woods with all the microbrews, you gotta get me a brewery that will do like a special brew called the Half Chub. <laughs> wow, you know there are breweries that probably. <laughs> I almost just spit my drink on the laptop. You know it'll, it'll probably only be a six ouncer though. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Talk about talk about another. Yeah. <laughs> You've never had an ale like this before. Yeah. <laughs> it's a salty nut brown ale. Really. Oh, people fall out of his closet, man. <laughs> okay. I know. I keep uh, waiting. To, I keep waiting to hear you going. What the fuck? <laughs> Uh, not yet. <laughs> so much, so much for getting the family show title on this thing. Huh? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, no, I bypass the explicit tag every time I post. <laughs> We're pretty this, clean here. Yeah, this one's gonna need two of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, where's the really fucking explicit tag? <laughs> That's one of those things, like, I'm where I work from home now, I listen to podcasts all day while I'm working, 
And I kind of forget. It's like, you know, then my two-year-old comes wandering up. I'm like, oh, right. You should not have heard that. <laughs> Probably need to pause that. Oh, that Might want to put a disclaimer on this one. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a standing disclaimer, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Then if your husband says, he learned that word from you, you can say, no, he didn't. He learned it from James Sabata. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, I can hardly breathe. <laughs> oh. crack, the, crack the door, man. Don't don't asphyxiate him. <laughs> oh, no, then I'll definitely get in trouble. All right, so I got a question <laughs> for you guys. Please, if, if the yep. world doesn't fall to shit, how many of you are going to scares of care? Me, me. You're going? Oh, totally, yeah. I hear silence from the other two. <laughs> well, I'm going to be writing a lot about it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to save my uh, pennies because I told John Taft that I would go to next year's StokerCon. Okay. That's going to be in Denver, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to that one, too. I'm going to try my hardest. I'm just going to come by and get you. Just... <laughs> Just be ready, okay? Yeah. Just pack a bag, <laughs> would you? Yeah. It's a, it's a Kia Soul. I'll come squealing up. <laughs> I'm a very erratic driver, but you'll be fine. <laughs> I was going to say that's probably the only way the Kia Soul would be squealing up to the <laughs> Dude, you've never driven one. I realize that it is a toaster on wheels that, that is, you know, personified by dancing hamsters, and I get all of that. But if you drive this thing, yeah, I love that car. I absolutely love it. Laurel comes slamming up in a fucking Kia Soul and does the Blues Brothers side slide into the park. <laughs> Jump you, in, fuckers. <laughs> actually pretty close to it's a very small car. So I kind of slide in and out of places like a watermelon seed. Yeah. <laughs> so what she's trying to say, Rich, is Xanax if you got it and Yes. Uh, yeah. I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm super excited about Shares the Care. I I do very much hope uh, that this one is still on. I do too. I I've heard a lot about it. I've never been. Um, this will be my first one. We're doing a table there. Uh, Todd Keesling is going to be there and a handful of others. So yeah, I'm I really hope that we can put the pieces back together and get back to some normal. And I think it. I I would love to meet you guys there and. Sounds like Laurel will be there, but the two other losers won't. That's fine. <laughs> someday. Someday. <laughs> we'll come kidnap you, Shane, one of these days. Okay, Shane. <laughs> <That> old... <laughs> Laurel comes sliding up in her Kia Soul right to your front door. <laughs> I hand over Rebecca some bourbon and be like, I'll, I'll just bring it back, okay? Yeah, I'll, I'll, he'll... I can't guarantee safe, but he'll come back. <laughs> well, Shane, this is where you could do an Ink Heist exclusive right here where you announce that you'll be at StokerCon in Colorado next year. Um, no that's like, that's like announcing that I'll be divorced next year. <laughs> I try. I try. 
Yeah, that'll that actually scares the care will be my first con. So I'm oh really I'm excited. Yeah. So you're gonna um, meet a lot of these authors for the first time then. Oh yeah, that's oh. why I've got to I got to work on my hugging. And I'm, I'm so awkward. Yeah, that's right. She does the awkward hug, you know, the the bro hug. Oh, it's man. My brother was in <laughs> Afghanistan for five months. I picked him up from the airport and we like fist bumped and went back to the car. Like it's a it's a it's a family thing. We're just not good at it. Yeah, oh, Laurel. Laurel, that's love. We're the same. <laughs> We're the same way. A hot, uh, side hug, you know, almost kiss, but not quite. <laughs> <laughs> That's See, more you know, awkward I'm on than the other end of the spectrum. I come from a family that, you know, they'll hug complete strangers. So, I'm, um, I'm just... like I said, the whole PPO thing. Yeah, well. <laughs> I had a friend. I had a friend whose family had migrated up from Mexico when I was a kid, and I went into his house, and he introduced me to his mom, and she gives me this big old fucking hug, and it's like, dude, my own mom has never done that. <laughs> <laughs> It's, yeah, when when my brother and I talked about that, we were joking about it, you know, because we hadn't really thought about it. We were just like, yes, welcome back to the States. Glad you're alive. OK, let's go get a beer. You know, it just wasn't a thing. And we, you know, we were talking about it in front of my mom. And she's like, what? We're good huggers. I'm like, no, no, think back. Think back on it. <laughs> we're really not. Mom, just, you I'm... haven't been around a good hugger, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um like a uh, mom, have you uh, have you been checked for dementia and Alzheimer's and all that stuff? Because <laughs> best way to get myself thrown out of window, believe me. Oh God, tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you're you're gonna try to hit up scares that care. Are you doing uh, Nikon or anything else like that? Um, I want to, but I hear that's a that's a tough one to get into. You got to got to sign up for that baby real early so probably won't be able to do it for this one because i think all the stuff signed up and sold out but yes scares of care i was going to do scares of care in midwest yeah but they postponed that one for obvious reasons so if they redo it again next year i plan on going to that um i'd like to do the one in texas what is that killer con I believe it's KillerCon. Brian Keene does Thanks. stuff with that. He does the, the splatter. Yeah. You know, Splatterfest yeah. awards and stuff, which, you know, oddly enough, we got we got a little love with uh, Midnight in the Graveyard on that. That was up for splatter splatter awards. So, you know, oh, that's totally awesome. hum, totally humbled by that. Um. Yeah. That's it's a pretty cool thing, and they just started that. Hell, I think just three or five years ago. Um. I think him and Rath James White started it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Splatterpunk prior to that had been just just grossly neglected in my opinion. Yeah, well, you got the the perfect person to do that, Rath James. Whew, boy, he's. I've read a couple of his stuff. Man, you got to go take a shower after you read his stuff. His oh, stuff yeah. is intense. I just read the Resurrectionist recently, that, and I—that's what I read. Oh, I had to—I had to call my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> it, but the thing is, he—he's so good at doing it. It's not like it's just wall-to-wall blood with, and it numbs you. I mean, he, his story is amazing. Yeah, he and can oh, write his ass way, off. By the way, you feel like you got 
you feel like you got buckets of the stuff all over, like you were an extra in the movie reanimator or something. <laughs> but yeah, that's the the difference between splatterpunk and extreme horror is the difference between story and um, hype. True. True. Yeah. Um, extreme horror has a purpose. I'm not I'm not dissing it at all, you know, and um, people love it, and I hope that people who write it keep writing it, but yeah, Splatterpunk, when it comes to guys like Wrath James White and J.F. Gonzalez, mm-hmm. those, those guys tell stories that you wouldn't be able to get away with even as extreme horror if um, they couldn't write as fucking good as they could. Well, that's just it. Their prose is amazing, so it's you can't discount it as cheap garbage. I mean, the stuff is just as good as any of the the big names out there that we've already talked about. Exactly, totally agree. Um, also, I'm famous for digression, <laughs> so I apologize <laughs> for that. <laughs> We start talking about shit I'm interested in, and it's like, oh, little Uncle Shane can talk all night, Sonny. <laughs> I'm the same way. I can talk to a tree stump and not even know it. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm going to have to bail soon because my wife is going to kill me if I don't. So. <laughs> well, is there anything else that you uh, want to shout out there? Can anything coming down the line? Okay, so what we've got coming on down the line, um, we've got Justin Holly's debut with Silver Shamrock. It is Southern Cleopatra Hill. It's kind of The Shining meets, well, I don't want to spoil it. Just it's it's really it's a it's a monster meets The Shining hotel on top of a a mountain in Jerome, Arizona. It's awesome so i'm so, excited about about that one yeah that sounds awesome and then obviously we got todd keesling's coming in june um up before that we've got another debut from charlotte platt she is a new author from scotland and she's got just this surreal like kind of like urban fantasy that I, I was just floored by it. it was another one of the new authors that kind of came through on the open call and I couldn't get enough of. So she's coming up. Uh, Asher Ellis. He's kind of close to your way there, Rich. Um, I don't know how many of you have been familiar with Asher Ellis, but he's got one that's going to be coming up. So, and then all the ones we previously mentioned. So we've got, we got quite a few things in the fire coming. So, uh, silver shamrockpublishing.com. Check it out. We, Try to keep update with all the the new stuff coming. Um, other than that, just social media. I will be bashing your head with it left and right <laughs> to the point where you sick to your stomach. Uh, and if you're interested in those covers, it's elderlemondesign.com, I believe. So it is. Keelan Patrick Burke, just the guy's amazing. Yes, he is. Well, we really appreciate you coming on, Ken. It was great to talk to you. Oh, I had a blast, guys. Just where else are you going to be able to shoot the shit like this? So I really appreciate you having me. 
Um, well, we appreciate it too. And yeah, we are we are expert shit shooters. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, I don't think there's any shit within a 50 mile radius that hasn't been shot tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's another potential title. The go. shit shooters <laughs> with Ken McKinley. You know, I I don't envy whoever is going to have to come up with a decision on what to call this podcast because right. there's a lot of things. <laughs> I started thinking about shit shooters. But... <laughs> What's that shit? Shit shooters and chub, you know. <laughs> like, oh, no, that's you gotta, no. you oh, man. <laughs> I have you know, an you for that. <laughs> if, if if I may, here's here's my idea. How about shooting the shit with a half chub? There you go. That, that captures the entire essence. You know? That yeah, that actually captures the whole show. <laughs> yeah, right, buddy. <laughs> well, I very much that I get to meet you. It scares the care. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, I will buy you a drink, Coral. I will buy you one back, but probably not as fast as, as you're able to get your wallet out for mine. So hey. I'll, I'll work on that. <laughs> if you were McCammon, you'd have had three drinks already in your All right. Oh. Well, thank you, Ken. Have a great hey. night. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Uh, it was a blast. Thank you, Ken. Anytime. <laughs> Is somebody going to hang the fucking thing? <laughs> <laughs>